Welcome to the preaching podcast of Life Point Church. We're so glad you've joined us here. If you're ever in the Baton Rouge area, please stop by. We'd love to meet you. For more information on our church or Pastor Donovan, please visit our website at golifepoint.com. Verse 3, verses 13 through 14. Exodus 3, verses uh, 13 through 15, actually. It's good to see all of you. Some of you are so dressed up, I've just never seen you like that before. Zach, you look like you're in a, some kind of Easter play, right? Look like one of the apostles, maybe. And, uh, it's, it's good. I was trying to get a, a baby blue tie to wear with a silver suit because I got a grandson that's about to make his entrance. And, uh, but I never made it to the store to get my baby blue tie, so I ducked out this year. We're, uh, we're looking, though, at Exodus 3, verses 13 through 15. Listen to this. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus shall you say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, who is the Lord God, is what he's saying, has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This is my memorial, my memorial to all generations. Notice, the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, the Lord. We'll talk about this. This is Jehovah as we know it, or Yahweh as some say. This is the Lord. This is the, this is the revelation of this designation, this name for God to Moses. Now, it appears earlier in your Bible, like in Genesis 2, but Moses hadn't written that yet at this point. Moses would write Genesis 2 later. This is his introduction. He's learning. He's learning the Lord God of your fathers. Today I'd like to preach a message entitled, Freedom Has a Name. Freedom Has a Name. Let's say a prayer. Father, thank you so much for your word and for the resurrection. We give you praise for that. Speak to our hearts. Anoint me to preach. Anoint us to hear in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I know you guys have Easter egg hunts to go to. We've already had uh, a huge one here. Uh, you've got Easter picks with your family, lunch with your friends and family, and uh, I promise you I'm going to get you out of here in plenty of time to do all of that. Uh, I heard a funny story. Listen to this. Young Ernest and his family were invited to have Easter Sunday lunch at his grandmother's house. Everyone was seated around the table as the food was being served, as soon as Ernie got his plate, he started eating. His father demanded, Ernest, wait until we have prayed and said grace. Well, the five-year-old replied, I don't have to, Daddy. And his mother, she's embarrassed. Of course you do, Ernest. We always say a prayer before eating at our house. Young Ernest explained, that's our house. We're at Grandma's house. She knows how to cook. We don't have to pray, right? <laughs> so wherever you're eating today, I'm sure you'll say grace. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's good. But some wisdom from the kid right here. Our theme this year at LifePoint is free indeed. 
And I believe it's time for some people to become free, to all of us to become free. Debt free. Some of you working hard at that, including LifePoint Church. We're working hard at that. We're down in the 360s on our debt load right now. I'm telling you, we're fixing to be debt free and some of you are working on that as well, the debt free initiative. It's awesome. But there's also other freedoms that we're seeking after. Addiction, we're trying to be free. We want to be free. The Lord wants to set us free from addiction. Set us free to fulfill our destiny and our calling, to accomplish our dreams. I'm here to tell you freedom has a name, though, and that's what we're going to be talking about. One of the amazing stories in your Bible is a story that begins in Genesis 30, runs through the end of the book of Genesis. It's the story of Joseph, betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery, falsely accused of sexual assault, incarcerated, forgotten, and left to languish in prison by people he had helped, and then rising to become one of the most powerful men in all of history. And because of this Joseph narrative, Jacob, his father, and his brothers, Jacob's daughters-in-laws and grandkids, they all enter into Egypt blessed and highly favored. And through the years, the family of 70 grew into a nation. We know them as Israel, the children of Israel, the Hebrews, over 2 million of them, many scholars say, by the time of our reading. But the book of Exodus opens with a new Pharaoh who was paranoid because of the sheer numbers of the, of the Hebrews. So systematically, he began to oppress them, to control them. He made them slaves. The Bible tells us that they built two cities for Pharaoh. And think of that. They built two cities. We kind of gloss over that. Built two cities. Think of the structures to make up a city. The infrastructure the, the in and out, the irrigation, the sewage. It's a massive multi-year undertaking. All done without bulldozers and backhoes, cranes and cement trucks, done with the hands and the backs of the Hebrews. Interestingly, the first city they were to build was Pithom, which means the city of justice. Don't miss the irony here because here you have a city dedicated to justice being built by unjust means slave labor. The second city they were forced to build was Ramses, which means son of Ra or the son of the sun God. Don't miss the irony here either. God's chosen people, the true and living God's chosen people through whom the son of God legit would come are forced to build a city that's dedicated honoring a fake son of God. Now this was not Egypt just being some kind of aggressive employer demanding a lot from its employees. No, this is slavery. Say slavery. Brute force. Exodus 1.11 says that taskmasters used whips to beat them into submission. Exodus 1.14 says their bondage was a bitter bondage. Exodus 1.15-22 says that in order to slow down their population growth, Pharaoh enlisted the Hebrew midwives, to murder every newborn Hebrew boy. In other words, to commit mass infanticide. Now, these midwives refused to do it. They were pro-life. So Pharaoh sent soldiers in to do his dirty work, and they hunted down baby boys and baby toddlers and threw them into the Nile to either drown or be eaten by crocodiles or hippopotamus. It, it, it was brutal. 
It was cruel. Egypt was a brutal regime. It was madness. Now, what I'm trying to tell you is this. When we say Israel lived in Egyptian bondage, it's almost a cliche in Christian circles. The fact of the matter is the Egyptian bondage was was torture, crimes against humanity. The children of Israel were trapped in a living hell, miserable, wretched, and desperate. And in their desperation, they cried out to God. What were they after? Freedom. Freedom from the tyranny of Egypt. And I'm here to preach to you today, freedom has a name. We're going to talk about that. Back in our reading, Exodus 3, 13 through 15, Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel, I'll say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, What is his name? He said, You're going to tell them, I am who I am. Tell them, I am has sent you. Now, that's not the name. We'll talk about that. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus shall you say to the children of Israel, The Lord, L-O-R-D, all caps, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial to all generations. So God spoke to Moses from this burning bush. Boy, that's rich with... There's all... So much in that, the the fire of God in a bush that's burning but not consumed. The bush was an acacia bush. It's a bush that's that's a thorn bush, which is indicative of the of the of the of the fall of man of sin. And here's a fire burning in this plant that's a thorn, and it's not consumed. There's so much into that. It's the Shekinah glory of God. The, the same fire that led the children out of Israel, they followed that fire. The same fire that sat on Mount Sinai when God emblazoned the stone tablets for Moses. The same fire that dwelled between the cherubim on the mercy seat and the tabernacle of God. And, and, and this was God speaking from this fire. But what is his name? If you look carefully, like I said, I am is not his name. Verse 15, tell them the Lord, L-O-R-D, all caps, God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has sent me to you. Now, I am, let's look at that for a moment. I am means I will be whomever you need me to be. In other words, you need deliverance, I will be your deliverer. You need healing, we'll see this later in the Bible. You need healing, I will be your healer. You need provision. I am Jehovah Jireh. I am the God who provides your every need. I will be whatever I need to be to help you get where you need to go. That's what he's saying. I'll create. I'll make a way where there seems to be no way. I'll do what I have to do to get what you need to you. That's what I am is all about. And it goes much deeper, but that's the gist of it. I am Whomever you need me to be. But again, that's not the name. In the English, in verse 15, the the word Lord, as I've said, it's all caps. It's because it represents four letters, Y-H-W-H, as we would know them by. It's known as the Tetragrammaton. Now, please don't check out because I just said an enormous word on Easter Sunday morning. You're like, what in the world? 
Well, it, it's, it's the tetragrammaton is what scholars call it. It's pronounced, we say it as, as Yahweh or Jehovah as it's been transliterated. He's saying, I, the I am in this passage, the I am's name is Jehovah. And again, this is further back in Genesis even, but, but Moses would write the writings, the book of Genesis. So he's learning this, the name. My name is Y-H-W-H, Yahweh or Jehovah. So track with me for a moment on this Easter Sunday. In Romans 3 and 2, Paul said the primary job of the Jewish people was to preserve the word. What profit is there in being a Jew? Much in every way, he says, for them was given, to them was given the oracles of God. And they did an awesome job. God created a culture, put the word in the middle, and that culture surrounded and protected and guarded it all these years. It's incredible. And when scribes, you see scribes mentioned in the New Testament, scribes, when, when they copied uh, the, the Bible, the, the Word, they would do it uh, a page at a time. They would go and, and write uh, in the Hebrew, and, and in the Hebrew, every letter is, is, has a numerical equivalent. And so they would add up all the letters horizontally and then vertically, get the totals, get a total, and if the, the copy total was not the same as the original total, they would wad up the copy, throw it away, and start all over. And they did an incredible job, as is seen in the Dead Sea Scrolls, where we see uh, copies from a thousand years uh, later or earlier than the, uh, the ones that we had had up until the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls. And the accuracy was, was incredible. And you can go look that up and study that. It's, it's fascinating. But they did a great job. But I say that with this caveat. The Jews were so intent on not taking the Lord's name in vain that they refused to speak or even write what God originally spoke to Moses at the burning bush. Instead of putting all of the letters in what he said his name was, they only put the consonants and left out the vowels. So, the Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah, is a guess. We don't know what the vowels were. We don't know what he said. As a result, we say Yahweh, Jehovah, but we have no idea how to pronounce it. It's like Valerie. If we took the vowels out of Valerie, we would say her name is VLR. Vler. Veler, Veler, Veler. We could add vowels, you know, vol, er. But I mean, you could go all over the place. The problem is, it's it's near about impossible to get it right. So the very ones who were commissioned to preserve the word lost the name. Is that wild, or what? Now, why am I speaking about this on Easter? I've got a reason. So when Moses asked, "Who should I send me?" Uh, who, who who should I say sent me? What is your name? I am that I am, who is by known, uh, who is known by the name Y H W H. We don't even know how to pronounce that. But that's the bad news. The good news is that's okay. Everybody say that's okay. It's all right. And I'll tell you why from the book of John. 
The book of John is built around seven scenarios, seven signs, and seven sayings of Jesus. And in each of the seven sayings of Jesus, these soliloquies, Jesus makes a clear I am statement. Now, John was a Jew. This is not missed by him or any other Jew. We know it's not missed by any other Jew because one of the I am statements, one of the lesser, uh, uh, I, I don't have time to get into that, but one of the statements that he said was, he said, before Abraham was, I am. And what happened? Immediately the religious Jews took up stones, according to the law, to kill him, Brother Jones. They were going to kill him right there because they knew what that meant. What he was saying was, I am the I am, the Tetragrammaton, the Yahweh, the one who spoke to Moses in the burning bush. And what is his name? Who said that? Who did the I am statements in John? Freedom has a name, and that name is Jesus. We don't even know the name mentioned in Exodus, but we know that name. It's the name above every name. At that name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is the Lord of all. Come on, give him some praise right now. Now, they understood it, man. Jesus was claiming to be the I am, the Tetragrammaton, Jehovah Yahweh. The seven I am statements. Listen to this. 635, I am the bread of life. 812, I am the light of the world. 107, I am the door. 1011, I am the good shepherd. 1125, I am the resurrection and the life. 146, I am the way, the truth, the life. 151, I am the true vine. Jesus was saying, I can fill the empty places in your life. You got emptiness. I am the fullness. I am the bread. I can satisfy you. I can light up the dark places in your life. You got those dark places, man. Those spooky places, those scary. I will become the light that shines in those dark places and eliminates the darkness. You want an all access pass to the Almighty, to the Creator. I am the way. I am the door. I can take you there. I can give you direction and protection because I am the good shepherd. You've lost your way. I can give you that direction. When you're facing death and separation, I am the resurrection and the life. When you've lost your way, I am the way. When lies have you bound, I am the truth that makes you free. When you need a source and a supply, I am the true vine. I will bring a fruitfulness to your life that you can't get from any other source. I will supply your every need. The I am statements. The I am statements. And I would argue those are seven I am statements in the book of John in those soliloquies of Jesus. I'm here to tell you, his Redemption is complete. Seven is the number of completeness. His redemption is complete. His grace is sufficient. He is more than enough. He will be who you need him to be. He will meet the need however he has to do it. Why? Because he is the I am. He is the freedom. And freedom has a name. And his name is Jesus. Come on, give him some praise. Thank you, Lord. 
Here's the point. This blows my mind. The Jews, out of a deep respect for the name of the Lord, lost the actual name. Lost it. But that's okay. It's all right. Matthew one twenty one is kind of the equivalent of Exodus 3. Moses is saying, who am I going to say sending me? What is your name? I am... Right? It's one of those things. You ever get those voicemails? I get them when I'm driving down the road, and it's, it's a voice. i got to check my voicemail. I get it. It's like, uh, hey, Donovan. And i got to be, you know, what? Moses is like, what is your name? Who am I going to say? My name is. But over in Matthew, when the angel came to Mary, she said, listen carefully, girl. You'll name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. He will bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. Jesus says, it's okay. You can use my name because it's a name. It is the name that has been given among men. It's the only name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So when it says that, that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We got a name, y'all. It's the, we have a name. It is the name of Jesus Christ. It is a name that is powerful. Thank God for the name. Colossians 2, for in him that is in Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power principality and power freedom has a name and it's Jesus it's Jesus now when you said Jesus you have encompassed the totality of almighty God's character and power he is the fullness of the expression of the almighty God that's why we're baptized in that name Paul giving his testimony in 22.16 of Acts said, Arise. He was given these instructions. Arise and be baptized. Washing away your sins. Calling on the name of the Lord. I, I, would, I, I, would, I, wouldn't be, I would not be a preacher. This is what my grandmother used to say. Worth the salt it would take. You know the rest? To pickle me. This is such a weird statement. My grandmother used to say, I wouldn't be worth the salt it would take to pickle me if I didn't tell you that if you've turned to Jesus, your next step is you need to be baptized in the name that has been revealed. It's the name. I might add, incidentally, Jesus said, be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Those are important titles. But that name, there's one name. There's one God. There's one name. It is that name that we call upon. It's the name that we are baptized in. If you've never done that, this is your opportunity. Let me give you some good news. At the end of this service, we're baptizing Rob and Heather right here in Jesus' name. Come on now. 
such a weird thing. The water, you know, the the circumstance of it all, getting wet, being immersed. What's the meaning of it? I'm telling you, the thing that gives meaning to it is the name and the power that's in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's a saving name. It's the name above every name. Freedom has a name. Freedom has a name. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus even put it like this. In my name they shall speak with new tongues. That's why we lay hands on the sick in his name. That's why Colossians 3.17 says, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name. Practically speaking, whatever you need freedom from, that freedom is connected to the name of Jesus, which has standing behind it all the power and might of heaven and the finished work of the Lamb of the living God. Isn't it interesting that they came out of Egypt by the blood of the Lamb and all they knew is the name was... But when Jesus walked up on John, the Baptist, who was in the river baptizing and said, you got to baptize me, John looked at him and said, behold, the Lamb... Of God. What's his name? Freedom has a name, y'all. It is the name of Jesus. Freedom has a name. Jesus. Stand with me right now. A Hindu holy man with matted hair and an ash besmeared body was sitting under a tree in deep meditation. That sounds like me in Nashville. I'm just saying this. It's a thought. His eyes fell on the leaves of a torn book which someone had just thrown away. And part of the New Testament was there. Curiously, he smoothed out the crumpled pages and read the words which brought strange comfort to his hungry soul. He set out to seek somebody who knew something about the book. He found an Englishman who confessed to obey that book. The holy man was delighted to meet this guy. Notice the Englishman wore a black armband on his arm and concluded that must be the distinctive sign of a Christian. So he put a black band on his own arm. And when people asked him who he was, why that was there, he pointed and said, I'm one of them. I'm one of those people. Later on, the holy man wandered for the first time into a church building and listened to a Christian preacher preach a sermon. At the close, he announced that he too was a follower of this way. And he pointed to the band as proof and wondered where everybody else's bands were. They explained this is an English sign of the death of a loved one. A holy man thought for a moment and then answered, but I read in the book that my loved one has died and I wear this in memory of him. Why don't you? Before long, as it was explained to him, he began to understand the truth of the resurrection and he realized that his loved one was alive forevermore and a great joy filled his heart and he took off that old black band off his arm understanding he's no longer dead. My loved one lives. Listen, our beloved lives Valerie and I were in Israel. We walked in that tomb and it's still empty to this day. He's alive forevermore and he is our soon 
coming king. One writer put it like this. Christmas is the promise of his love. But Easter is the proof of his love. Because he laid his life down. But then he had the power to take it back up again. And because he lives, anything is possible. Anything is possible. And I'm closing. I got to say this though. In the Old Testament, there's another group of seven. There's seven redemptive names of God. Jehovah Jireh, Rapha, Nisi, Shalom, Ra, Sidkenu, Shama. The Lord will provide. He's our healer, our banner, our peace, our shepherd, our righteousness. He's present all the time. The idea is this. Freedom has a name. You want all of that? Just say the name. You don't have to be a religious scholar, some kind of guru somewhere deep in in, in, in memorizing all the scripture. Just say the name of Jesus. He's all of that and more. He is I am. Who do you need him to be today? And I'm closing with this. I'm closing with this, man. I just... I just I felt this all week, felt to preach it, developed it, talked it to Valerie, just 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 felt like this is where we needed to go. Somebody here today needs some freedom. The 149th Psalm, listen to this. It's it's powerful. Praise the Lord. It's it's Hallel. It's praise the Lord. Go crazy. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. I love the old songs. I'm more old school than I get credit for being. I'm 52 for crying out loud. I grew up traditionalized. I know all the songs, man. I'm telling you, I know them. I played them. But some of us need to, we need to sing a new song for a new season with a new revelation, a new understanding. My journey's not over, y'all. You, and I, I got to stop. But listen, some of us, we've, we've advanced at this level and we're like, I'm done. No, you're not. Are you telling you, you figured out God? Nope, you haven't. There's more to him than meets the eye, more than you've seen. He's got more. And, and when you learn a little more, sing a new song. Sing a new song. He said, I'll praise him in the assembly of the saints. I'm going to gather with other believers. Let Israel, re- let, let the covenant people of God rejoice in their maker. Let the children of Zion, the covenant people of God, be joyful in their king. Verse 3, listen. Let them praise his name. With the dance. The dance. Let them sing praises to him with, you know, drums and guitars. Les Pauls, a distortion, keyboards, organs. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the humble with salvation. You come humbly before him. Notice this. He's saying, he's saying that when you praise the name of the Lord, do it in such a way that you are engaged. Listen, here's what it takes to dance. Here's how you don't dance. I know y'all don't go to dances, you know. If you, if you ever do go to a dance, because I've been to one, maybe, maybe two. You go to a dance, this is what's going to happen. You're not going to stand there. If you're going to engage, you're not going to dance by like, Dancing with your eyes, you know. You're not going to dance by, you know. You're really probably not going to do this. I'm going to tell you, you're not even going to, like, move your feet. It, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a way that somebody looks at him and says, well, look at him dancing. He's engaged. He's plugged in. He's moving. Like, there is movement. This is the only time we have a specific way of worshiping the name, praising the name of the Lord. And it means be fully engaged. Why? 
because he was fully engaged to get all his blessings to you. Why don't you just fully engage and give all the praise and glory back to him? Breathe in his grace, breathe out his praise, as Matt Redmond said. Give him all the praise that he deserves. And, and I'll close with this. He's go, he's go, at the end of that psalm, he says, What happens is when you do that, there are kings that are bound and chained. What? Do you know that when Egypt, when, when Israel left Egypt, they were no longer in bondage, they were free. But Pharaoh was in bondage and was not free when they left. God wants to reverse your circumstances and where you've been the tail and not the head, He wants to make you the head and not the tail. Because freedom has a name. And if you begin to praise Him and worship Him and engage with Him and walk obediently before Him and humbly before Him, God will reverse your circumstances. He can change everything. Why? Because He is the I Am. He has the power, the grace, the mercy to make your deliverance happen. Lift your hands to Him right now and give Him praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the name. Thank you that we can call on the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you were blessed. For more information on our church, Pastor Donovan, or service times, please visit our website at golifepoint.com.